Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Ryan Warmly, joined on this Friday morning by Pat Fitzmorris and by Derek Brown. Fellas, we are talking week 15. It is the fantasy playoffs. We're going to run through some key questions in every single matchup on the slate. First week without buys, well, since Thanksgiving, which was actually not that long ago, but we are now past buys for the entire season. So we are in the home stretch, us as, uh, as fantasy analysts, but we do have to cover every game, which is always uh, a little added work, but we love it anyway. We don't always talk about Thursday night football on this Friday show. Uh, I will tell you guys, I had to do some driving last night and I left during like the early first quarter. I think it was 14 nothing at the time. I get home, I sit down, I pull up my phone, and be like, oh, I wonder what the score is, and I audibly cackled. It was 49 nothing at the time. I could not believe it. My jaw hit the floor. Of course, this game ended up with the Raiders scoring 63 points. Fitz joked before the show that it gives 0 to 60 a whole new meaning, obviously referencing the fact that they were shut out a week ago. I mean, D-Bro, like, what can you even take away from a game like this? This is just hilarious. I mean, look, you start Aiden O'Connell and Zamir White and all the Raiders, apparently. I mean, look, Trey Tucker had a freaking day, baby. So, I mean, they're coming through for fantasy managers and the in the most crucial of moments. So, you love to see the production from the Raiders. But, man, it's just crazy wild game. I would be surprised if Brandon Staley makes it through the weekend, still as the coach for the Chargers. And, Look, everybody is is piling on Staley right now. I get it, man. Like, this just comes down to it's a team that quit. We saw what happened. And to back up what Antonio Pierce uh, said, look, if they're running up the score, if you've got a problem with that, then stop them, okay? Stop them. If you don't like it, stop them. So I have no problem with the Raiders putting up 63. Like, I had no problems with the Dolphins putting up freaking 70. I have no issues with that. Like, again, you don't like it? Stop him from scoring. I, I fully agree. I, quite frankly, I wish they taunted more. Like, take penalties. Who cares? These are professionals. Let's have some fun out there. This is entertainment at the end of the day. Uh, Fitz, 63-21 to 21 was the final. Uh, I mean, he run through. It's basically, everybody that played for the Raiders got a touchdown. What was your takeaway here? Yeah, Trey Tucker. Uh, probably no one started him in a redraft league, but uh, I actually kind of like him for Dynasty. I, I think he's kind of good. I added him in a couple Dynasty leagues down the stretch and kind of glad I did. But um, yeah, well, first of all, congratulations to all our viewers and listeners who have made the fantasy playoffs. Uh, you know, if you're still with us, hopefully that means you're in. But condolences to all our viewers and listeners who were going up against the Raiders defense uh, this week. And, and like, this is why... I'm sort of anti-team defense. I mean, like, it's it's such a crapshoot um, scoring this time. Of year. And I hate that, uh, you know, this is just a personal gripe as a fantasy analyst. Like, I'm getting more questions about Week 16 defenses this week than I'm getting about, like, Week 15 uh, wide receiver dilemmas. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of annoying. But, like... I don't know what were the Raiders worth uh, in I know defensive scoring varies from league to league, but probably worth around, what, 40 last night? 
Like, gotta be. Not I didn't, worth I didn't a ton, look it up, man. but gotta be. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you're going up against some team. And, and by the way, for anyone who thinks, like, oh, yeah, Fitz is just salty because he was going up against the Raiders in the two first round playoff games I'm in where team defenses are involved. I was not going up against the Raiders, although I did wake up in a cold sweat this morning because I didn't check an opponent's lineup in one of those leagues, and I wasn't sure. Uh, he was not, in fact, starting the Raiders, but it just stinks that you are in a big hole uh, against someone who probably picked up the Raiders just this week, um, you know, who who got this because of the uh, laissez-faire attitude the Chargers ball carriers had about actually hanging onto the football last night. Like, it's just, I don't know, add an extra flex spot, do away with team defenses. It's just, uh, it adds this huge element of luck to the fantasy season. And like, you've played 14 games to get where you are and to have a team defense decided is is kind of lame, I think. From what I'm seeing, it looks like Raiders scored 25 points last night. That's that's only 25 bonkers, man god it seemed like bonkers. an avalanche of points yeah and of course I'll, I'll like fitz reference all leagues have sort of slightly different scoring particularly when it comes to defenses but yeah what what an, i mean if yeah i tell you what if you started the raiders defense in your playoff matchup you'll never forget it the rest of your life you'll be riding that high but that's uh that's obviously only you know the 10th or 6th of people or, or whatever it is. Uh, we can move on from that. Obviously, there's, you know, a lot of players scoring touchdowns in that game that were probably not super fantasy relevant. Uh, let, let's jump into the, the games here. Matchup previews. Uh, we've got some Saturday games. There's three of them, actually, a triple header. And we will start with Vikings at Bengals here. My key question for you guys, and Fitz will start with you, can Jake Browning stay hot, or will the Vikings' defensive pressure get the better of him? Oh, man, I've been underranking Jake Browning. I'm inclined to be skeptical of a first-time quarterback who's putting up the kind of numbers that he has put up. And, uh, you know, 275 passing yards last week, but a lot of that was like Chase Brown taking these little dump-off passes and, uh, you know, weaving through tacklers. Um, But I don't want to sell Browning short in this matchup. Yeah, he's going to see a lot of blitzes from the Vikings. um, But I don't know what he's done... It's less about starting Jake Browning. I I don't think I would feel comfortable starting him. But what Jake Browning has done makes me feel comfortable about starting Jamar Chase this week. Debra, what do you think? I I find myself worried about going up, you know, an inexperienced quarterback going up against this defense. But what do you think? I'm I'm not as worried because, I mean, as much as Brian Flores has been, a lot of it, what he's been doing is, yes, the blitz, but a lot of it's been disguising coverages. So to me, it comes down not so much like the pressure rates and the blitz, because if you look at Minnesota, it's much, even as much as they've been blitzing since week nine, they are dead last in time to pressure. They have the third lowest pressure rate. So all the blitzes they're bringing aren't really bearing a lot of fruit. What Brian Flores has been doing, though, is disguising coverages. So really, for me, it comes down to can Jake Browning you diagnose the coverage? And a lot of it's just, I mean, like we talked, like Fitz brought up, like a lot of it's underneath throws and design looks for Jamar Chase. So I, I actually feel pretty good about Jake Browning. Like you're not starting him outside of like super flex leagues and stuff, or if you're in dire straits, like you lost Justin Herbert and stuff. But I feel pretty decent about him. I mean, the thing about it is, is the Bengals, if they're going to move the ball in this game, it's going to have to be through the air because the Vikings run defense is legit. So Cincinnati is going to have to throw to do anything here. 
Debro, second question on this game. Where are we ranking Ty Chandler with Alexander Madison ruled out? I'm going to have him as a top 24 running back. Um, I've got Ty Chandler right now at RB20, and the matchup just presents itself. We know that you could run on the Bengals. I mean, uh, since week nine, eighth lowest stuff rate, third highest yard to contact per attempt allowed. So Ty Chandler, yeah, giddy up, baby. Like, if you've got him, you're starting him as an RB2. If you got him in your flex, kudos. Fitz, where are you at on Chandler? It's funny. I don't think we have enough information to know, to make a judgment yet on whether Ty Chandler is good or not. So basically, it's like, where do you insert mystery box lead running back for the Vikings in the rankings? And I've got him at RB24. Uh, should get a good number of touches, has run catch versatility. And as Debro pointed out, the matchup is pretty good. Um, it It is higher than I would have uh, Alexander Madison ranked if he were Agreed. playing. Agreed. It's hard to believe we are this deep into the NFL season. We've got to make every second count. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every game day. Bet on your favorite teams for a shot to win big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting five on any matchup. We are at the time of year where we've got these Saturday games to watch this week, plus a couple of standout games on Sunday. As always, the week finishes particularly strong with Cowboys, Bills Sunday afternoon, Ravens, Jags Sunday night, and Eagles, Seahawks on Monday. Monday Night Football. DraftKings has Dallas and Buffalo with a total over 50. Should be the highest scoring game of the week. Should be the best game of the week. However you guys plan to bet that one, get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code FANTASYPROS. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just 5 bucks on the NFL. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Four six seven three six nine. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Next game up, guys, Steelers at Colts. Fits on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are we going back to the Zach Moss well? Mm, maybe a 3 right now. I'm not brimming with confidence. Um, like, he was terrific early in the season when Jonathan Taylor began the year on IR and... Um, But with Taylor missing the last two games with a thumb injury, Moss has rushed 32 times for 79 yards and and really hasn't looked like the same guy. Uh, That's just 2.5 yards per carry. And the Steelers' run defense isn't bad. They're 11th in DVOA against the run. I've I've got Moss at RB8 this week because of the workload. It does almost feel too high based on what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Big range of outcomes here. Like, I I would not be shocked if Moss got you 20 fantasy points, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he wound up with, like, 36 combined yards from scrimmage and no touchdowns, and and you're regretting having him in your lineup. So he is a a hard guy to peg this week. 
Yeah, Debra, we talked a little bit about Zach Moss on the Thursday show this week, but I mean, he had 13 carries, 28 yards. He had eight targets, only four catches, 28 yards, no touchdown. That was against an exploitable Bengals run defense that we just talked about from the last game. So I, I get the, the excitement was there when Jonathan Taylor went out. Zach Moss, league winner, December hero, hasn't been there. What, what do you think about him this week? I mean, Fitz is talking about range of outcomes, and we'll perfectly lay this out here. I've got Zach Moss at RB19. Like, I, I don't feel good about Zach Moss at all. Like, I think he's an RB2, and it's based off of volume alone. And we talked about this earlier in the week, Worm. Like, I think the volume that Zach Moss is, has accrued this season has caught up with him. If you look at over the last two weeks and we talk about how good he is, he hasn't been good on a per-touch basis. Like, amongst uh, 38 qualifying running backs over that span, 36th in missed tackles force per attempt, 31st in yards to contact per attempt. He has zero goose egg explosive runs in that time. So if we want to know why Zach Moss is not producing in fantasy, it's because he's not breaking tackles. And going up against the Steelers' run defense, I don't know how much of that actually happens because they have the ninth highest stuff rate since week nine. They had the 10th lowest explosive run rate since week nine. So... I'm extremely low on Zach Moss. Like I, the only reason I have him still inside the top 24 is because I know he's going to play freaking 90% of the snaps and he's going to get somewhere between 15 to 20 touches and that type of volume. I can only fade it so much. Only seven experts in our ECR, you know, our expert consensus rankings, which have, you know, well over a hundred rankers, only seven of them are lower on Moss than Debro is this week. So you are well below consensus, which, you know, you make a strong case for it. Uh, let's move to the last Saturday game here. Broncos at Lions. Debra, will the Lions offense bounce back from their very poor game against the Bears against this opportunistic Broncos defense? They will. And I think the way that they do that, and they've been doing this over the last few weeks, is limiting Jared Goff. And two specific players I want to highlight here and how the, the Detroit Lions bounce back. They're going to feed David Montgomery and he's going to steamroll them. So be extremely high on David Montgomery. I think that he ends up with 20 plus touches in this game. I think, and not saying that Gibbs does nothing, but this is going to be a game where they lean on their running backs and they lean on Sammy ball game. The, the Denver has not been able to cover tight ends the entire year. And if you look up all the metrics that I pointed out in the primer, it leans towards Sam Laporta having another monster game, which might also lean towards, like I, I talked about Gibbs. I've talked about David Montgomery and Laporta in this game. I'm not as high on Amon Ross St. Brown. Denver's secondary has been extremely good, and especially versus slot wide receivers. He's going to get A-plus targets. I just kind of question how much he's able to do with those targets. Yeah, uh, Montgomery's kind of the opposite for you of uh, Zach Moss in that only nine experts in ECR are higher on David Montgomery than you are. So you are definitely ahead of consensus on him. RB9 this week. Yep. RB9. Uh, Fitz, what do you make of uh, just the Lions offense in general, David Montgomery in particular, uh, you know, trying to bounce back from that game against Chicago? Yeah, man, I would love to see a bounce back game from Amon Ra. Um, you know, I hate hearing uh, Debro D talk uh, about that because I've got Amon Ra in a couple of playoff games this week, and he's had five catches the last two weeks. That is very atypical for Amon Ra St. Brown. So, I'm not as confident about the Lions passing game, although Debro's right, the setup for Sam Laporta is fantastic. Uh, I'm pretty confident about the running game, though, and, and Montgomery in particular. Only 10 carries last week against the Chicago Bears, but the Lions were playing from behind for a lot of that game. Um, it, this week, you know, they're home favorites. 
hopefully a better game script. And the Broncos have given up 5.5 yards per carry to running backs this season and uh, (laughs) 1,621 rushing yards to running backs this season. So like the, the setup is there for Monty to smash. I want to throw a player prop your guys' way. We are, of course, using the odds from DraftKings Sportsbook, and you can find these odds or odds for other books if you would like to use them. I don't know why you would. Uh, on bettingpros.com, uh, Cortland Sutton, plus 110 anytime touchdown, which has hit many weeks this season. Uh, also over under 53 and a half receiving yards. Fitz, what do you think about that? Yeah, I like both of those. Um, I'm I'm always sort of disinclined to play touchdown props just because they can be so fluky. But I, I really do like the over on receiving yardage against this Lions secondary, which has been sort of, uh, well, bad for lack of you, a better word. You would word. get more value. It would be plus 800 for first touchdown score. Is that more appealing mm. to you given the value or still kind of yeah, just preferring the yardage? I don't yardage? mind that. I don't mind yeah, that one. I like that. Yes. Debra, what do you think? Both both the touchdowns and, and the uh, over on the yardage? You can miss me on the anytime the 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 line's just not good enough. So uh, you can miss me on the anytime. I will. De- I'm hammered. I've already bet the the over for Sutton's receiving yards and Jerry Judy's receiving yards on bettingpros.com. And yeah, dude, give me the first time the first touchdown score. That is fantastic. Like Denver gets in the red zone, hey, it's going to Sutton. It's going to. So bet that now, people. Our multi-league assistant makes juggling multiple leagues easier than ever. Head to fantasypros.com slash myplaybook to get expert advice for all your teams in one spot so you can dominate every league every week. I know you guys are in lots of leagues, but maybe if you use the multi-league assistant, either of you would have made the playoffs in our work dynasty league that I did make the playoffs in and you guys did not. I mean, I'm just just starting it out there. Adibra, I mean, you got the number one pick, except you'd already traded it to Fitz. (laughs) (laughs) um hey Fitz I think that was an accident you want to trade that back to me um I think I think uh, there was there was an error some the mistakes were made um so uh yeah buddy you want to send that back over I I tried to trade for that pick in the offseason Fitz was like no way he knew your team was gonna be bad he he saw it golly Just catching strays all through this, baby. Jeez. All all I'm saying is that you guys are the experts here, yet I'm the one who both made the playoffs and has four firsts going into next year. So, I mean, I'm kind of playing Dynasty at an elite level here. You're also the guy who traded for Kyle Pitts, too, so we'll throw that out there, too. Well, hey, as soon as Arthur Smith is gone, his stock is way back up. So (laughs) I am. Falcons keep winning. Another year of Arthur is incoming. Speaking of Kyle Pitts, let's go to Falcons at Panthers. First game on our Sunday slate. We finally had the Falcons game that we've kind of been waiting for. Bijan scored a touchdown. Pitts scored a touchdown. Drake London over 170 yards. Is this a one-off or will Arthur Smith actually maybe kind of sort of keep helping fantasy managers here in the fantasy playoffs? Debro, since we're just talking about Pitts, I'll start with you. Arthur ain't helping anybody that's starting Drake London or Kyle Pitts this week. And this, a lot of this leans into the matchup for the Carolina Panthers. Their pass defense has been really good all year. Now, their their offense might be bad, and their run defense is terrible. So this is a game where it sets up like Arthur's watching the tape, and he's able to say, oh, huh, mm, as he strokes the mustache for another 15 minutes. I can give Bijan Robinson all the carries, and we could just run, 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 run. <laughs> yeah, Bijan's going to have a day, but all the rest of the uh, parts or pieces of the Falcons, I'm going to be fading in rankings. Fitz, what do you make of the Falcons offense in this matchup in particular? 
Well, Worm, I refuse to endorse the judgment of Arthur Smith. Uh, hard to believe that he's had an epiphany about the need to put the ball in the hands of his best players at this late date in the season. Uh, because if I say, yeah, Arthur Smith gets it now, then the next game we're going to see 12 targets well, for John Smith. Especially because and... they lost the game that this finally happened, which was not good for fantasy managers. No, right. Think. Exactly. But um, actually, like, there's a chance, and, and we've talked about fading the weather and everything, but like... The matchup definitely favors the Falcons running the ball a lot against a, a Carolina defense that's really good against the pass and terrible against the run. And and then we're getting a pretty wet forecast for Sunday in Charlotte, potentially heavy rain. I mean, we heard about potentially heavy rain in Baltimore and uh, anyone who faded their Rams at Ravens last week regretted it. So we're not saying totally go away from these guys, but... Um, I, I think it wouldn't be a shock if the Falcons ran like 60, 65 percent of the time. I've got another player prop here. Drake London over under four and a half receptions fits. I'm going to go under because of what we just talked about, the matchup and the you know possibility that weather could kind of short circuit the passing game. Yeah, Deber coming off a huge day, but I know you're kind of down on him this week as well. Is four and a half receptions too many? It's a good line. I'll take the under, though. All right, let's go to Bears at Browns. How can Justin Fields and DJ Moore continue their strong play against one of the best defenses in football? Notice I didn't say can they. I asked how can they because I really need them to do it in uh, many leagues here. Uh, Deaver, what do you think? I think they have a day, man. If you look at what the Browns have done versus mobile quarterbacks, they've only played three of them. But Lamar twice, Russell once. Uh, those two quarterbacks completed 64% of their passes, 8.4 yards per attempt, and averaged 34 rushing yards versus them, as well as this Browns defense is banged up. Denzel Ward, we don't know if he plays. Grant Delpit's out. They lost a D tackle. So I think Fields has a day in this one. Like I wrote it up at the primer. Him and DJ Moore have crushed man coverage. They've also crushed single high. So since week nine, the Cleveland Browns have run the eighth highest rate of single high. Justin Fields over his last five games. Sixth in fantasy points per drop back, fourth in yards per attempt against single high. I think both of them are smash plays this week. Fitz, what do you think about Fields and more, you know, the dynamic duo here in this one? I have already bet the overs on their yardage props. Yes. And um, part of it is like Debro mentioned, the Cleveland defense might not be fully the Cleveland defense this week. You mentioned Grant Delpit, their outstanding safety being out, uh, their defensive tackle, also edge rusher uh, Ugbo. Okoronkwo is going to be out for this one. And uh, I believe their other safety, Juan Thornhill, is questionable for this one, too. And, and Denzel Ward is banged up, which would be, oh, my goodness, if if he's out, good luck covering DJ Moore. I, I know they've got multiple very good cornerbacks in Cleveland, but uh, you need Denzel Ward. So, man, like the Browns do have a tough defense overall, but they're not at full strength. And I don't know if there's anyone who can shut down DJ Moore at this moment. He is uh good worm. I know you know it as a Maryland graduate. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Do not fade DJ Moore. Yeah. I, I, I want to throw this in here real fast. Um, the Chicago Bears, and I'm not saying they're going to. They're not officially eliminated from the playoff hunt just yet. So oh, I know. Just throwing that out there, man. They're playing really good football and their defense is balling out like they're a dark horse to possibly sneak into a wild card spot. I'm not going to I'm not forecasting that it definitely happens, but it, I it think could. it's still like extreme dark horse at this point. But you're right. They're not eliminated. There is there is a chance. Uh, this is a perfect opportunity to talk about this year's fantasy over under challenge presented by betting pros. I wish the line was DJ Moore. I would take the over on 
you know, 20 fantasy points if I could. I love that guy. Uh, each week, the guys will be making over-under picks for 10 different players for how many fantasy points we expect them to score. Submit your picks at fantasypros.com slash challenge to play along with the guys so you don't miss out on the chance to win awesome prizes. One of this week's players is not DJ Moore. It is Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Let me make sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. His line this week is set at 17 fantasy points against the Bears. Do we think he goes over or under, D-Bro? under give me the under <laughs> is that really is that the baltimore accent way of saying under i'm not yeah, I don't know. sure i'm just uh, i'm just mirroring what you were doing <laughs> uh, uh fitz what do you think uh, over or under 17 fantasy points i'm gonna take the over he's had 44 and 45 pass attempts in his two starts for cleveland and like you can't run on the bears they are gonna let joe flacco wing it again this week yeah. By the way, I couldn't help it on the uh, you know the Baltimore accent, just saying Joe Flacco's name that way. But I recognize that I'm not good at, at accents or impressions or anything like that. So don't, nobody come at me in the comments telling me how terrible it was. I am well aware. Everybody, <laughs> it is football season, and you can now get almost almost anything you need for game day delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Can Uber Eats deliver foam fingers? No. But chicken fingers? Yes. Touchdown dances? No. Buttermilk ranches? Yes. Feel goals no grilling coals yes running backs no ribs yes blitzes no beers yes defense no deodorant yes game clinching turnovers no but pastry turnovers the kind with delicious apple filling Oh, yeah, because that's groceries and get those delivered with Uber Eats, too, along with food from your favorite restaurants and other essentials. And the best part, you can get it all without missing a second of the action on your TV. So there you have it. Get almost almost anything for game day delivered with Uber Eats, official on demand food delivery partner of the NFL. Order now alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Guys, let's go to the next game here. Bucks at Packers. Key question here, Fitz, I'll start with you. Is this just a one-off bad game from Jordan Love and company last week against the Giants, or is there cause for concern here as we finish out the season? So I'm not too worried because even the top quarterbacks lay the occasional egg, uh, you know, ask Patrick Mahomes investors. But I, I think it was a good reminder that Jordan Love is still a work in progress. Um, and he was probably getting hyped up a little too much after playing really well in two games that basically all of America was watching Thanksgiving Day against the Lions and then the Sunday night game against the Chiefs. Um, but like Jordan Love ranks 20th in passer rating and he ranks 18th in yards per attempt. So we should probably pump the brakes a little bit. He, he's not a star yet. I think he's close to achieving solid NFL starter status, but not quite there. Uh, Debra, what do you think? I mean, I, I think Fitz put it well in that these games are all coming like in prime time or, or at least in, in Island games. And that just kind of always intensifies, you know, the narrative around any quarterback really in the NFL. I think that's part of it. But the other thing I, I do want to continue to give him his flowers, like Jordan Love. I was huge on slamming him at the beginning of the year because he's playing bad football, but I, I was, I was very, um, surprised by his performance versus the Giants. Um, and I think he has a huge bounce back here. I think that he looks like the guy we saw over the previous few weeks and that game against the Chiefs. And I know that, look, Fitz is a Packers fan and he's trying to be level-headed. I, I, I'm going to push back. And I think that Jordan Love stacks another really good game and cements himself as their starter, not only for like next year, but the next few seasons. Because 
Buccaneers have not played good, man. Like, they can't stop anybody. Since week nine, they've allowed the fourth highest yards per attempt and the most passing yards per game. So his skill players are kind of banged up, but I think Love has another really, really good game and continues to stack them for the rest of the season. Yeah, Debro, I will just add, um, I was a Jordan Love skeptic coming into this season, but uh, the whole measure of success of Green Bay's season was going to be on finding out whether Jordan Love was there starting quarterback of the future. And I think he's proven definitively that he should be. I just don't think he is can really be considered an above average NFL starter yet, but I, I'm confident he's going to get there. I've got a poll question here. We post these on Spotify for many of our episodes. So head there. It's one of the episodes earlier this week. This question is a simple one. Packers wide receiver core is pretty banged up, but they do face a weak Tampa Bay pass defense. Is Jordan Love a QB1 this week? What do you think, D-Bro? I got him a QBA, baby. Yeah, he's locked in. QB1 easy. Fitz? Man, um, I don't have my rankings in front of me. I am I think I'm right on the border with him, maybe at like QB11, I want to say. Does that sound right? Uh, on your rankings, you have him at QB10. So if that's QB10. still up to okay. date, then, then yes. you guys both do have him in that QB1 range. It's actually very close in the poll, and he's not – you know, no is winning. It's no 53%. Mm. And yes is 46. It's like 46.4%, 53.6%. But it's it's very slightly in favor of no, he is not a QB1. So the uh, the audience is not convinced about this game in particular, given the injuries there yeah. in that receiving core. Um, I do want to also ask on the other side, sort of the same question I asked about this Packers offense. Is this a one-off or cause for concern? Same question about Mike Evans, who was not good last week, but has been pretty good recently. Debra? I think Mike Evans bounces back in a big way. Now, A.J. Terrell took him off the map, just erased him from last week. That's not going to happen this week versus the Packers. Their secondary hasn't been able to do that to anybody. And if you look at since week 10, Green Bay has the 10th highest rate of single high. This matters because Mike Evans has just decimated single high. He is um, amongst 112 qualifying wide receivers eighth in fantasy points per route run. He has 3.2 yards per route run against this coverage type. Mike Evans day. I mean, people are going to be happy. They start him this week. Fitz, what do you think? Mike Evans just going right back. Yeah. Zero concerns. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to jets at dolphins here. What is our dolphins concern level coming off a very poor game against the Titans now facing a very good defense and with Tyree kill and Devon H and some degrees of banged up Fitz. Yeah, here I am concerned. Uh, maybe no Hill, maybe no HN. The Dolphins' offensive line is banged up. Um, I'm I'm definitely concerned. Like, the Texans were flying high on offense, and then they went into the Meadowlands. And, um, y- yeah, they, they did lose C.J. Stroud to a concussion. But uh, the Jets completely smothered the Texans' offense. Like, Stroud was 10 for 23 for 91 yards before his concussion. And, um so, yeah, like I'm worried about the Dolphins. I have two a ranked outside quarterback one range and we'll drop him further than that if Tyreek is officially scratched. I have Jalen Waddle ranked wide receiver 22, and I'm I'm not going to move him up if Tyreek Hill is out. Like, I don't think there's going to be any real benefit. Like his his reward for Tyreek Hill being out, maybe a few more targets, but also like probably sauce Gardner on his back the whole game. Um, not a good week to be heavily invested in the Miami offense. Debra, where's your Dolphins concern level at? Uh, We're pressing the panic button. I think that this is a game where maybe the Jets win, and that sounds crazy, but 
I mean, the Dolphins have been extremely matchup sensitive. Now we're talking about their entire offense is banged up. The offensive line is banged up. Tua has been very, very matchup sensitive. Uh, and now maybe the best wide receiver in football right now with Tyreek Hill, the way he's played, maybe doesn't play. And if he does play, we know he's definitively less than 100%. So this is a game. Whew, I'm not saying that Zach Wilson plays good, but I think this is a game maybe the Jets can win. Well, that leads into my second question here. Do we buy into the signs of life? From Zach Wilson, he said he was playing a little more freely, a little more like, you know, the pressure off his shoulders because it's kind of just who cares at this point? Go out there and have some fun. He had a pretty good game, Debro. I mean, buying in at all to the signs of life? No, none, zero. That That's more of a that's more of a detriment to the Texans defense and their past defense specifically. Plus, Will Anderson got banged up in that game. They weren't able to bring pressure as much. That's not going to happen versus Miami. Uh, their past defense has played extremely well. Outside of the hiccup versus Will Levis, uh, they've played out of their minds since week nine. Seventh lowest passer rating allowed, third lowest, or excuse me, third lowest passer rating, seventh lowest yards per attempt allowed. So, no, I think this game, honestly, I'm going to be betting the under. I think this game just stinks. It could just hit the under. Fitz, I had to pick up Zach Wilson in a number of leagues where I lost Ooh. Justin Herbert. So, uh, I'm really I I picked up him and Flacco and I'm now getting to pick oh. between the two. Uh, do you buy sorry, into Worm. the signs of life from from Wilson? Yeah, it's it's a tough end of the season. <laughs> yeah, not really. And I would start Flacco, uh, Ryan. But like <laughs> the flashes are enough to make me think that maybe Zach Wilson could settle in as a long term NFL backup. But as far as him ever reemerging as a long term starter, um, he's averaging five point nine yards per attempt this year. His passer rating is 78.2, and like it's his third year in the league. I, I think the idea that he's going to be a long-term starter, that ship has pretty much sailed. I think my comp for him uh, comes back into play a lot because he's just basically the new Mitch Trubisky. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, number two pick and, and all that stuff. That's interesting. I, I was kind of chalked up Zach Wilson to so spectacular of a bust that he wouldn't even be a backup. Uh, but that's interesting that maybe he gets enough kind of flashes in the pan to somebody. To somebody will take it. But, they, yeah. A lot of times these high end first round picks, they get a second chance, whether they deserve it or not. They do get a second chance. But I feel like if he gets a second chance, it'll be at a team that's like desperate. Like like when the Panthers added Sam Darnold and we're like hoping he could become the starter I, more so than like, hey, because I feel like the backup at this point is like, do we just want a reliable guy that is things aren't going to fall apart? And I feel like things would still fall apart if you lose your starter and plug in Zach M- Wilson. Mitch Trubisky but, says hi. Mitch Trubisky yeah, I mean, says yeah, that's, hi. That's a, that's a yeah. great comp for what it would look like if he were to remain a, a backup. That's a good That's a good point. I do want to throw out another betting pros over under challenge here with Garrett Wilson against the Dolphins. His line this week is set at 11 fantasy points. Steve Rowe? Under. He needs a touchdown to get there, and I don't think he gets it. Fitz? I'm going to go over. I mean, the guy's just really good, and he is basically the only show in town as far as Jets wide receivers. Mm -hmm. I will go over as well. Fellas, it's that holiday time of year again, and if you're looking for something different for that favorite person on your list, think Game Time. Tickets for sports, concerts, and comedy shows, all of which make a fantastic gift this year, even if it's last minute. 
So many games to watch in any given day, but wouldn't it be better to be there live? The best way to get tickets to any of these games this month is on Game Time, the official ticketing app of Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you peace of mind with your purchase. They let you see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Plus, their all-in prices show your total upfront, so you always know you're getting a great deal, and it takes no time at all. You can buy tickets in seconds with two taps, so download the Game Time app and redeem code FANTASYPROS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the Game Time app and enter code FANTASYPROS, all one word, for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Let's go to Giants at Saints, a game I do not care about in the slightest. Uh, it feels like a lot of easy-to-rank players in this one. We kind of see them as either obvious starts or obvious sits. So I just wanted to ask you, Fitz, I'll start with you. Who was the toughest player to rank in this game? Oh, for me, it's Saquon because he has been oscillating between high-end RB1 value and low-end RB2 value. Like here are Saquon's game-by-game yards from scrimmage totals since the start of November. 113, 61, 140, 52, 103. And like he had a three-game touchdown drought from week eight to week 10. Then he scored two touchdowns in week 11, then no touchdowns in week 12, then two more in week 13. So like, I want to say the touchdown outlook is not great for a guy who's playing in an offense that's being triggered by Tommy DeVito and has maybe the worst offensive line in the league. But like he's had two multi-touchdown games in the last four weeks. So um, he's just a hard guy to peg. I've got him at RB 12 right now, but I could make a case for going like five spots higher or maybe a tad lower. Probably I should be higher. I mean, I I had him behind Austin Eckler, which is now looking like a mistake. So yeah, Debro, any of these players tough for you to rank in the same way? Um. So uh, first of all, uh, Fitz, come join me in the uh, top five ranks for Saquon. I've got him at RB four. I think he smashes this week. Um. But second of all, no. For me, it comes down to what do we do with Chris Olave? Ah, uh, he's been good. He's been not good. He's He's banged up now. I think it's an ankle issue. Plus, he's coming off the flu. Derek Carr is terrible. What do I do with Chris Olave? Is he a wide receiver one? Is he a two? Does he even deserve either one of those rankings at this point? That's He's the guy where I've kind of struggled with ranks. Him and, honestly, Alvin Kamara. Because Alvin Kamara, we've seen plus matchup after plus matchup after plus matchup. And because this offense overall has just been terrible, he's done nothing. And plus, he's not breaking tackles. All right, let's move on from that game because, like I said, I think it's kind of one of the more boring ones on the slate here. I do want to talk about Texans at Titans. Everybody knows Derrick Henry historically torches the Texans' defense, particularly in December. If you look up his previous stat lines against them, it's, like, obscene. Uh, So I just want to have some fun and have you guys predict what his stat line will be this week. Fitz, I'll start with you. All right. um, Well, the Texans' run defense is not as marshmallow soft as it used to be. Uh, D'Amico Ryans has really changed that. Uh, So now Houston is a very respectable 13th in DVOA against the run. They've given up the eighth fewest rushing yards to running backs this year, just 3.3 yards per carry to running backs. So I I don't think this is going to be the typical Derrick Henry running all over the Houston Texans game. I'll say 17 carries for 65 yards touchdown or no no touchdown no No i'll say i'll say he does have a touchdown 17 for 65 and one touchdown 17 for 65 and a touchdown debra what do you think 
I actually think Henry has a bounce back game in this one. Um, now, to Fitz's point, Houston has been a very, very good run defense for the majority of this season. But recently, since week nine, they've shown more leaks in the dam. 13th highest explosive run rate, 6th highest missed tackles per attempt rate. Um, let's give Derrick Henry 15 for 80 and one score. So the uh, player prop here that you can find on betting pros, again, this is from DraftKings, is over under 66 and a half rushing yards. So it sounds like you oh, said wow. just slightly under that, right, Fitz? I That's said 67, line. I believe. So, oh, you said 67. Uh, I, okay. I guess. So just barely. Oh, under. no, no. I said 65. You're right. I said 65. Okay. So I guess I'm going under. Um, we Overs. were doing the we're doing a, a betting pros uh, TikTok uh, live yesterday with uh, myself and a guest. And we were, you know, going through just various props and, you know, leans on every game. And on Derrick Henry, somebody in the comments who I forget who it was um, said that their favorite bet in this game was Derrick Henry two touchdowns um, that they, you know, they think the Titans when they score, it'll be through Henry. I didn't get actually I didn't pull up what the odds in that would be, but I liked that idea quite a bit rather than saying, oh, he's going to have another 200 yard rushing game like whatever. I'm with you like the Texas defense is is better than it used to be, but I could totally see Derrick Henry getting in the end zone twice. So I liked that bet quite a bit, although I can't give you odds on it because I forgot to pull it up. Let's go to Chiefs at Patriots. Key question here. Are the Chiefs the biggest crybabies in the world after the Kadarius Tony offsides last week? That's just a joke. That's not actually my key question. But I actually am curious because we haven't talked about it. Fitz, what did you make of that whole thing? Oh, man. Yeah, like it was kind of a bad look for the Chiefs. Like I, I do not want to uh, anger Chiefs Nation. Like my dad used to live in Kansas City. I I love that town. I love the fans. Um, But yeah, like that was just like he was offsides. I know maybe you sometimes get a heads up, but it was a loud crowd, I'm sure. And, um, you know, like I think it was Dave McGinnis, the old Chicago Bears defensive coordinator, who uh, someone asked him about someone who had lined up offsides. He's like, there are a lot of things in this game that are really hard. Lining up on side is not one of them. <laughs> that's that's a really good way to put it. Debro, I do you agree. I mean, I, I I was surprised at how many people I saw actually pushing back and saying it shouldn't have been called and they have a problem with procedural issues. Like to me, it was it was just like a no brainer. I'm surprised there was any debate at all. I I was surprised too. Like, look, Mahomes has dealt with frustration. I think that that was just the breaking point for him. Like where he's yeah. doing everything he possibly can to will them to victories. And then some other flub up happens, you know? So I think Mahomes, that's misdirected anger. Like he's not going to come out because he, he is a classy guy. He's not going to come out and just drag his wide receivers through the mud in front of national media. Um, not saying that they don't really deserve it, especially Kadarius Tony, because you're a professional NFL football player and you don't know how to line up on the line. Like that's, that's a problem. That's a thing. And then you see other clips. I'm sorry, chiefs nation, but you see other clips where Kadarius Tony lined up offsides, basically the entire freaking game. And they want to say, well, it's on the refs to tell him, no, it's on you to be able to do that. That's like saying it's on the umpires in baseball for a pitcher getting a balk. No, I'm sorry. The pitcher's supposed to know what the hell he's supposed to do or not. Excuse me, but take some ownership of it. So no, I'm not. I'm put that that all falls at the feet of Kadarius Tony. I love when baseball Debro makes an appearance on the <laughs> show. Uh, let's uh, let's go to the real question I have for this game: Is did we see enough out of Bailey Zappi last week to have? any degree of trust in the Patriots offense. Juju had 90 yards. Hunter Henry had two touchdowns. Zeke had a big day. Hey, did we see enough to be like, maybe this could continue or, or total fluke, D bro. Total fluke. I mean, the, the second half of that game showed that 
while uh, Kirk Herbstreit was trying to give Bailey Zappi his Hall of Fame jacket in the first <laughs> half. Uh, that should not have happened because he came, he came crashing down. And then we see like, oh, that's why he hasn't been starting games. So now I wrote it up in the primer. I have no confidence in any Patriots quarterback to play well or even to finish a game. Like I'm not going to rule out versus the Chiefs that we don't see Mac Jones in the second half. So no, I have confidence that Ezekiel Elliott's going to get a ton of volume. I have confidence that Demario Douglas is good at football. So start both of them. But on Patriots quarterbacks, eh -eh. yeah, uh, fits any any interest here in this Patriots offense? No, the Kansas City pass defense is too good. I'm guessing we probably get less than 200 passing yards from Bailey Zappi. I think that's probably right. I wanted to give him a chance to uh, maybe have you guys, you know, uh, build him up a bit. But I'm with you there. Uh, 49ers at Cardinals. We're into the late afternoon slate now. Uh, could this game sneakily end up maybe a bit closer than we expect? The divisional game. Cardinals coming off a bye. They've covered against a couple of good opponents this year. The Cowboys, who they obviously beat outright. They covered against the Ravens as well. Kyler Murray's getting more and more healthy. 49ers maybe looking ahead to the Ravens game next week. There's kind of a lot of factors at play of like maybe this line shouldn't be two touchdowns like it started off. And could there be more fantasy value from Arizona than you might think, Debro? Nope. Uh, I, I think that the 49ers just steamrolled them in this. Uh, Erickson and I kind of pushed back and forth on this, but I think Kyle Murray has been playing really bad football. Um, his rushing equity has saved him for fantasy, but if you look over the last few weeks amongst 42 qualifying quarterbacks, 29th in yards per attempt, 40th in CPOE, 32nd in highly accurate throw rate. I think the 49ers just eat their lunch like, uh, it, it's going to be bad, man. Um, Kyle Murray's not playing good. James Conner's going to get stuffed in this game. Marquise Brown is not fully healthy. I think we see the 49ers just, this is another statement game for them to where they're going to go out and say, look, we are the best team in the NFC. That's what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the 49ers are pretty banged up on defense right now. Like Dre Greenlaw, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead, Charvarius Ward. All these guys have missed practice this week. But no, I, I still think the Cardinals are going to get clubbed in this game. Um, like the Niners are just rolling right now, and the Cardinals don't really have the person held to go toe to toe with them. I guess Kyler Murray could have a big game just because of game script. If he does fall behind and goes into you know hyper throw mode and and you know gets a lot of scrambles where he's picking up rushing yardage, um, I could see Trey McBride having a good game. Because I think Dre Greenlaw would probably be part of the plan for covering Trey McBride. I'm not really optimistic about anyone else. Uh, you know, like I don't think Connor is going to have a good game. The 49ers, maybe their run defense isn't quite as nasty as it used to be, but like they've still given up the fewest rushing yards to running backs this year. And uh, James Connor has 14 catches for 36 yards this year. That's like 2.6 yards per catch. So he's not getting it done as a pass catcher. I, I just like don't see a bright outlook for him and uh probably probably not for any of the wide receivers either i've got james connor ranked as rb 31 this week i, I think, think i'm in a like, lot of people have yeah where, where like 29 or 29 or 30 i think yeah and and i think that that's um unless i'm wrong here worm that's that's much lower than ecr he's probably gonna be somewhere in the rb2 range unless i'm off here uh he is tw uh, rb 27 okay in ecr yeah, that's good that's it that's in half ppr um, let's hit one last betting pros over under challenge here with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Fitz, before I tell you what his line is, what Boy. would the line need to be for you to not take the over? For, are, is this rushing yardage? For, for fantasy points. 
Oh, for fantasy points, man, it would probably mm. have to be like higher than it would have to be like 25 or higher. Yeah. Debro. Yeah. What would it That's need? The it would exact need 25? Line I was going to say 25 was the exact line. It would have to be. It would have to be 25 or 26 points for me to not take the over. I'm smashing God, overs. I don't care. Guys, what line I is. genuinely think there was like a typo here or something. His line is 16 fantasy. God, no, I guess he scored over, four touchdowns. Over, are you sure that's not a first half line worm? Yeah. <laughs> it should be. I mean, seriously, <laughs> that that's, that's a that's a two drives True. into the game. He could have that kind of a line. Um, yeah. So we we are all agreeing on the over on that one for sure. Um, let's go to commit. Commanders at Rams. Fitz, I'll start with you. Can the Commanders finally get at least one of Terry McLaurin or Jahan Dotson going in what should be a shootout? Yeah, maybe McLaurin, but probably not. I mean, like he's wide receiver 37 on a team that has more passing attempts than any other team. So um, that that's kind of wild. I'd be really surprised if Jahan Dotson did anything like the only games he's had this year were with Curtis Samuel out and Curtis Samuel is healthy and playing. So I I do not feel optimistic about the commander's perimeter receivers. Yeah, Fitz, I want to ask you specifically like about Terry McLaurin because he's in the top 30. He's wide receiver 29 in ECR. And I feel like this is several weeks in a row where I've looked at his ranking and said, why is it as high as it is? We don't have any reason to believe it's going to be a good game. And then he comes out and has a bad game. I mean, the last four weeks, he's wide receiver 50, wide receiver 42, wide receiver 46, wide receiver 119. And then there was the bye the last week. So, like, you appear to be somewhat in line with consensus in terms of the ranking. What are you buying into? It's just so frustrating that the passing volume is definitely there, and Terry McLaurin is a very good football player. So, like, in theory, this should work. I, I think it, it's mostly about Sam Howell being much more comfortable throwing to the middle of the field than to the boundaries, and, and that's kind of why it hasn't clicked in for Terry McLaurin. But, like, yeah, I mean, you look at how many passes they're averaging per game and how good Terry McLaurin is, like, it should be a lot better than this. Now, Deaver, we talked earlier in the week, again, a little bit about Curtis Samuel. So for those who missed maybe the earlier show, are you interested in starting him this week? He's going to be and has been my highest commander's wide receiver ranked over the last two to three weeks. Uh, I've got Curtis Samuel as wide receiver 36. I've got uh, Terry McLaurin at wide receiver 41 and Jahan Dotson at 52. And if anybody's got a problem with that, go look at their output. You just laid it out, Worm. Like, the fact that we keep ranking Terry McLaurin as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three, and we keep having the hope candle lit makes no sense to me. Like, the, the outside corners for the Rams are really freaking good. The way that you beat the Rams secondary is over the middle of the field. So give me Curtis Samuel. Give me Logan Thomas. Um, I have no interest in Terry McLaurin. And yes, if I, if I told anybody that, okay, Sam Howe's going to lead the NFL in passing attempts this year. What do you think Terry McLaurin does? Would any of us be like, oh, he's a wide receiver three or four? No, but he's just, he's not producing. Like we're at week 15 people. If you're in the playoffs and you still have Terry McLaurin on your roster, by this point, I hope that you understand to bench him. There are only 19 wide receivers with at least 100 targets already this season. Terry McLaurin is one of them. He's had exactly 100 targets this year. The only receiver with fewer receiving yards than he has is Hollywood Brown, who's obviously wow. played the backup quarterback much of the year. Wow. 
Um, and so Hollywood Brown is 101 targets and like 574 yards. Terrible. Terry's at 100 targets, 694 yards. Everybody else, their yardage is like well into the 800s, 900s, or over a thousand. And so, they score touchdowns. Terry McLaurin's not getting yeah. red zone usage too, so that needs to be thrown out there. Yeah. Um, I want to throw a player prop out here uh, on the Rams side. I am extremely excited about this Rams offense in this matchup. I, I mean, I think Stafford, Cup. Kyron Williams, Puka, like I will take the over on pretty much any line you give me in this matchup. The commander's defense is just awful, especially against the pass. But Stafford, his over under is set at 267 and a half passing yards and 23 and a half passing completions. I like the over on both of those. What do you think, Debra? Overs. Give me overs. Uh, I want overs all day um, on the back end. Just to give clarity here. Um, Ethan, our amazing graphic designer hit me up and he's like, who do you want the, uh, poster boy to be for the primer this week? And I was like, it's gotta be Puka juice, baby. Like Stafford's going to have a day. Puka's going off. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, Fitz, what do you think? Again, those lines are 267 and a half passing yards, 23 and a half passing completions. I'm going over on both. I like yardage more. And, uh, Puka, by the way, his, his receiving yardage line, when I checked last night, I couldn't bet the over fast enough. 66 and a half. Ooh, that's like uh, on top of that. Uh, Fitzy, have you seen his rece- his receptions line? You can get the over at plus money on certain books. It's five, five and a half, I think. Oh, goodness. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> go bet that. Go <laughs> bet that right now. Anybody listening? Don't pause this show and come back and go go bet it. Exactly. Um, let's go to the game of the week. Cowboys at Bills. And guys, I just want to ask, because again, this is one of those types of games we have, feels like we have one every week where we're just really excited about the game. There should be a lot of scoring. We're kind of happy about everybody. Are there any usual starters in this matchup that we should be pessimistic about this week, D-Bro? I'll bring up Brandon Cooks. I think people have been using him as a wide receiver three or flex play. But if you look at the the coverage um, since week eight, uh, a lot of too high usage from the Bills. They're fourth, fourth highest and too high rate versus too high. Brandon Cooks has done nothing. 7.4% 7.4% target share, 0.75 yards per route run. So I'm fading Brandon Cooks this week. Fitz, is there any usual starter that you're pessimistic about? And I'll actually throw out one here because it's sort of my second question follow-up. But Stefan Diggs, just to note, has been wide receiver 55 or worse in three of his last four games. Yeah, he's the guy. You you hit yep. the guy I was going to mention. Um, since week six, Stefan Diggs has averaged 5.77 yards per target, which is terrible. Um, and he's getting plenty of targets. Like volume is not the concern over this eight game stretch where he's averaged 5.77 yards per target. Diggs has had at least 58 receiving yards in five games and he's had 34 or fewer in three games. So he's had three real dud games in those three low yardage games. He was going up against Patrick Sertan Jr., Sauce Gardner and Legereus Sneed, three of the best cover corners in the league. Um, Sneed just, or, uh, Diggs just hasn't been winning the matchups against good cornerbacks. And now he's going to be getting Stefan Gilmore and Duran Bland this weekend. So uh, I'm worried about him. Yes. Debra, what's your concern level about Diggs? Through the roof. Um, like I, I want to rank him as a wide receiver too, so bad because, and that's honestly, if you look at his game logs, it's still being really generous, man. Like, could he go out and get a lot of volume in this game? Sure. But I mean, Pat laid out the whole entire case and you hit the nail on the head with this question. Like I, before I got to the Stefan Diggs concern question, I was like, oh, it's got to be Stefan Diggs. That's a guy that I'm worried about in this game. My question is, how low can we rank him? Because he doesn't deserve the wide receiver one or two moniker that we've been giving him and bestowing upon him the last few weeks. 
Yeah, I, I got a few questions uh, on one of the TikTok lives earlier this week about ranking XX and Diggs. And I was like, well, Diggs, mm-hmm. I'm, well, actually, maybe not, obviously. Like, I had to kind yeah. of catch myself and and think about that, you know, the fact that he has not been playing to that level. I want to throw uh, one more uh, betting pros, uh, you know, odds here your guys' way. Who is the better MVP bet right now? Dak Prescott, who is leading the, the field at plus 150, or Josh Allen at plus 1,800, because if the Bills win this game, they have a re- very reasonable chance of maybe being in it to win the AFC East still, in which case I think he would be a very strong contender. So Dak at plus 150, or Josh Allen at plus 1,800. Debro, who's the better bet between those two? Allen's the better bet based off of the odds, but I'll, I'll throw a curveball here. I don't think the Bills win this game. I think Dallas just absolutely steamrolls them. Because when I was going through the primer, I'm like, okay, what's the advantage the Bills can take it? How can the Bills take advantage of the Dallas defense? What is the end for how they exploit a weakness? And I'm going through everything. I'm like, okay, can they run the ball? Can they use play action? Can they do all these different things? And there is nothing, 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 nothing. So for me... I have a hard time seeing how the Bills are going to compete with the Cowboys in this one. I I think they I think the Cowboys crush them. That's interesting. I, I have not been I've I've been thinking this game would be close and well, one that anybody could win. I'm gonna so that's bet the under. I'll put that. Yeah. Right, Fitz Fitz, what do you think about that MVP bet? Plus one fifty for Dak or plus eighteen hundred for Allen? I would uh, rather take the secure money with Dak. Like we've seen the history of MVPs and it's, it's always from like top two seeds in a conference and the bills are not going to yep. be that, but the bills are better than their record. And I will push back on D bro. Like they're, they're going to move the ball on Dallas. Like they're, they're too good an offense not to. So they will, you know, whether it's Josh Allen with a, a bunch of off script runs or they, like, they're going to make some plays. Yeah. I, I, I think I'm kind of with you. Like, I do think Allen is really interesting if you, if you think he wins this game particularly, but Dak has just been such the obvious leader as of right now. I mean, there's still room for Purdy or Lamar or whoever to, to overtake him, but I think right now it's got to be Dak. Um, let's go to Sunday Night Football. Speaking of Lamar, Ravens at Jaguars. I think we all have high expectations for the Ravens offense against this Jags defense and the way they've been playing lately, particularly their pass defense. But what do we expect from the Jags offense against this Ravens defense that has been very elite, but was, I don't want to say exposed, but didn't play up to their usual standards against the Rams. It was the first game this season. Again, obviously as a Ravens fan, I watch every game very closely. It was the first time all year that I felt like it wasn't the Ravens defense making mistakes. It was an offense that was actually beating them for much of the game. So I'm wondering what you guys think. Jack will do and how they will try to attack this Ravens defense and will it be successful Fitz good question like we'll see if the Jaguars can get the running game going because that part of their offense really hasn't worked lately Travis Etienne has 56 or fewer rushing yards in five straight games but he is a you know like he and Kyron Williams are similar types of backs I think in that you know they've got the run catch dimension so we saw the Ravens struggle to stop Kyron Williams maybe Etienne can get untracked I would definitely expect that Evan Engram is going to be a big part of the game plan. I mean, last week, the Jaguars' first game since losing Christian Kirk to a core injury, uh, Engram had a season-high 12 targets and 11 catches for 95 yards and two touchdowns. Good for 32.5 PPR points and the tight end one status on the week. So I think he's going to be a big part of the plan. I've got him as a top-five tight end. But other than that, I'm not wildly optimistic about the Jacksonville offense. Debra, how do you expect the Jags to go after the Ravens defense? Run 
the freaking ball. Uh, they're going to have to run the ball. I think it's all Travis Etienne. I mean, same same way that I said about about the Rams attacking Baltimore. You stay away from the strength of their defense, and it's easily their secondary. Their run defense has not been good for a number of weeks. Like since week nine, uh, ninth highest missed tackles allowed per attempt, 12th highest yards after contact per attempt. So if Jacksonville has any chance in this game, it's going to be to run the ball. And I think they can run the ball well. I mean, the offensive line has not played well. But when you go up against these lesser run defenses, and yes, Baltimore has been that over the last few weeks, then it's going to help bump up the efficiency. So I think Travis Etienne has a bounce back game here. Let's go to Monday Night Football to wrap things up. Eagles at Seahawks. Counting on an Eagles bounce back after their very poor performance across the board, except for A.J. Brown against Dallas, or again, maybe some cause for concern here. Fitz, what do you think? I think so. But the Eagles' passing game has not been great lately. Uh, Jalen Hurts with four touchdown passes in his last four games. He's averaging 211 passing yards a game during that stretch and just 6.8 yards per pass attempt. Pretty uninspiring numbers. But uh, if you look at Philly's opponents in those four games, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, and Cowboys, they're all top 10 in overall defensive DVOA except for the Bills, who are 15th. Um, Seattle is 26th in defensive DVOA. So the Eagles are getting a softer matchup than the ones they've been getting. Maybe this is the week we see Jalen Hurts catch fire and look like Jalen Hurts again. Um, I, I think his fantasy managers are definitely ready for it. Debro, are we expecting a bounce back here for Philly? I think Philly has a bounce back. I think Hurts has a bounce back. Brown and, and Smith, Smitty, you're, you're starting them as usual. The guy I want to highlight here who I think has a huge game is DeAndre Swift. Seattle's run defense has been... Pat, like not Very even ter- terrible doesn't even cover it. Ter- terrible doesn't even start start the conversation over the, since uh, week nine. Second highest explosive run rate. Second most rushing yards per game allowed. So while a lot of people are on the fence, do I play DeAndre Swift or not? I think you have to get him in your lineup and, and a lot of the spots. It's going to be flex plays for a lot of people. Maybe the RB two spot. But I think Swift, out of everybody here, he's going to go under the radar as the bounce back guy. And I think he comes out and has a wonderful game. Quickly, Fitz, what are we doing with the Seattle backfield in this one? Oh, man. Um, So, yeah, Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet are sharing work now. But Walker did have a 56% snap share last week. It it seems like he still outranks Charbonnet in this backfield. Um, Only eight carries for 21 yards for Walker last week. But he kind of salvaged his day as a pass catcher. Four for 33, and uh, man, one of those was like uh, the play of the week where he caught a little dump-off pass, broke a couple tackles, reverse field, broke a couple more tackles, wound up getting like 20-something yards on the play. Um, and, and that's the thing. Like, situation really matters for running backs, and it often matters more than skill level, but we shouldn't entirely lose sight of skill level. And, like, Kenneth Walker is a terrific running back and um like by the way the eagles are not the nightmare matchup for running backs that they used to be earlier in the season in their first nine games only one of the eagles opponents had 100 rushing yards as a team and the eagles were giving up 66.3 rushing yards per game before their week 10 bye since the bye the eagles have given up more than 100 rushing yards to all four of their opponents and they are now giving up an average of 156.3 rushing yards per game since the bye. So I do not fear this matchup for Kenneth Walker. I've got him ranked as a high-end RB3. Debra, where are you doing with this? 
I think it's a bounce back game for Kenneth Walker. And people look at the Bills and the Cowboys as like the shootout game of the week. I think that game disappoints. I think that this game, the Eagles versus the Seahawks, assuming we get Chef Geno back, this is the blow up shootout game of the week. I think that both these defenses can be had. I think Kenneth Walker can, and Fitz laid it out perfectly, man. The, the Eagles run defense has not been great over the last few weeks. You can run the ball. Kenneth Walker is still one of the most talented pure rushers in the NFL when he's healthy and right. So this is the game where if you're going to bet the over on any of these high totals for the week, this is it, baby. We will wrap up there. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Also, thank you for sticking with us all season long. Uh, it was super fun doing this show. We're not done yet, but uh, just you know, now that we're kind of into the fantasy playoffs, want to thank everybody for uh, for giving us their ears and, and listening all, all season long. Hopefully, we've been able to help a little, uh, and hopefully, you can continue to win into the fantasy playoffs. For Debro and Fitz, I am Ryan Warmly. Thank you, everybody, again for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts at fantasypros.com slash review or on Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.